surprise third episode. Surprise, we told you it was coming. We just didn't tell you when. Anyway. <laughs> this is my best friend, Amy Goodman. And this is my best friend, Kat Brown. And we're here, we're here with our Steely Dan podcast. Any major dude at will tell you. And we are hyped. We are mimosa'd. We are feeling excitement. We are in the middle of a government shutdown and my wedding week. Yeah, so, so we should all say we're in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Experiencing the ultimate of high highs, low lows, as you do when you listen to Steely Dan. Of course, of course. So we have three great songs to dig in with you today. And ironically, we chose these as sort of the nod that Steely Dan does to the royalty, the idea of opulence and everything. And again, we're in the middle of a government shutdown. Am I ever going to be able to fly back to Berkeley? Time will tell. Am I going to be able to go on my honeymoon? Time will tell. Is her marriage (laughs) license going to get processed? Time will tell. Every day brings up a new question. We have no answers, but we have three Steely Dan songs. Choosing the three songs where Steely Dan talk about royalty, this episode is Danarchy. Uh, so our first song is a song called Kings, um, and I'm confused by all of it, because not <laughs> only are we speaking of one king, we speak of two kings. So, Amy, who the fuck are we talking about in this song, and why does it matter? <laughs> Excellent question. <laughs> um, if you want to get very literal about this, according to Genius.com, we are talking about good King Richard and King John of Robin Hood fame, aka those two lions. Oh, see, I did all of my research on um, Richard III of England, who committed a lot of like man on man murder, which I feel like would be a total (laughs) thing. Steely Dan. Yes, just killing boys, the whole thing. So Dan on Dan. Dan on Dan. (laughs) So I'm in the wrong realm, but I'm going to speak on my piece anyway. Speak your truth. Um, Talk your shit. So I I found it interesting because what I learned about uh, Richard III, um, one of the Richards of Shakespearean lore, uh, so very important, um, but that he essentially had a very similar sentiment of Marie Antoinette of sort of like, let the poor eat cake, whatever, they're fine, I'm sure they can live, um, which is just so funny because, of course, Steely Dan would never write a song on Marie Antoinette, but they'll write a song. She, she's a woman. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> and she didn't cheat on them with anyone, so she doesn't deserve just, just any, not even, time. <laughs> not even a third verse come around, bridge, chorus, build, <laughs> does Marie Antoinette get deserve, but we get this entire song of what I thought was Richard the Third of, of England, but actually comes around for me in one of the most disputed lines, apparently, according to the internet research of Roll Out the Bones. Roll out the bones and raise up your I found that as something that there's this sort of commentary on like male violence that's like roll out the bones like because so if you're playing if you're playing like dice you say like roll the bones oh but if you're playing murder games you roll out the bones it sort of has this sort of jovial feel of murder so <laughs> that's just what I imagine Steely Dan they don't care who dies who lives as long as we can write a song about it and sell it to your dad <laughs> yes and add an s to the word bone and then somehow it means something different it does mean something entirely different. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm here to ma- good mansplain on All your right, ass. good mansplain me. Yes. So back then, when someone important died, you didn't just throw them on the cart with all the other dead people, you would embalm them. And so you would remove the skin. And I think to roll out the bones was some part of the embalming process. Oh. So that's, you know, we've seen the last of Good King Richard roll out the bones. It's part of his royal burial cycle and a sign of respect to roll out the bones. 
Oh my God. See, now this is again what I love so much about Steely Dan is that they can be so direct and yet there's so much beautiful fluff to find in whatever you feel in this. And it's really fun to watch like the real breakdown of these songs that I knew as a child that I had no idea what they were about. I'm like, oh, all that stuff had meaning. I just thought yeah. it was blah, blah lyrics of nothing town. to me kind of helped me spin out my whole thesis on this song mm. because there is a lot you can dig into with the King John, King Richard. And also the song was written in the seventies. So a lot of people say that it was about Richard Nixon and the war in Vietnam oh. that, you know, come meet the new boss, same as the old boss sort of thing. And you could even stretch it now to like, you know, this political cycle is endless. Now we have yet another corrupt leader in charge. We're in the middle of a fucking government shutdown for no goddamn reason. Truly. But the idea of rolling out the bones, and I'm sure they didn't mean it this way, but it's sort of just an illustration of the cycle. Roll out the bones, raise up your glass, long live good King Richard, long live good King John. Just this is a fucking never ending cycle of patriarchal violence that we're all going to suffer from. These powers will never have your best interests at heart. There has never been a point in time where, and even though we sung his fame, we all went hungry just the same, wasn't relevant. Mm, so, so true. Except now, because are we all hungry and are we singing Trump's fame? I don't know. Are we allowed uh, to say for, Trump on this podcast? 35% <laughs> of us are. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Well, and also we're living in the current political climate of the new Gillette commercial, which I also watched. We waited 10 whole minutes to bring it up. <laughs> it is male-on-male violence. It is male-on-male acceptance for the, like, very just smallest amount of, like, crumbs that you can get. Yeah. And 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 I, I understand that maybe at this point in the podcast, you're like, are you just spinning your wheels, Amy and Kat? And yes, we are, clearly. Always, always. But we just have so much feminist rage that it just comes <laughs> out in the Steely Dan. It comes out in the in current political climate. And to me, it, it comes out like blue blood and rain. Like, why is the blood blue? Because that's and how you describe the, like someone from Connecticut who's upper crust. They're uh, blue bloods. Oh, okay. I thought it was that, like, you you get so bitter that your blood turns blue. Oh, boy, like that. <laughs> he let the charge and saved the day. Blue blood and rain. I can He's just like, yeah, power is cyclical, but it's always on a downward slide. Roll out the bones, raise up the glass, nothing ever changes, and to react too much to the illusion of change is fucking dumb. Our next song is The World, 1973. My One of my top favorite Steely Dan songs of all time. If I were to get a Steely Dan tattoo, it would be the lyrics of this song. Yeah. No Marigolds in the Promised Land. Imagine awkward eighth grade cat having this in her AIM profile. That was me. No Marigolds in the Promised Land. So I have so much to say about this song. It's beautiful. It brings up so many memories for me. It's everything to me. I I absolutely love this song. Yes. Yeah. And so I'll I'll paint my introduction to the song, and then we're gonna go so deep into your psyche, you're gonna be like, please pull out. <laughs> you're hitting my emotional cervix right now. Please back it up a little. <laughs> so when Kat made me my master steely on playlist, she bundled King of the World and Kings together, and she's like what do you think of these two songs? To me, they make me cry. I love the juxtaposition. And when I first heard them, I thought, Kings is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard, and King of the World is kind of unlistenable. <gasps> no! 
that makes me so sad. What was unlistenable to you the first few times? Um, it's kind of, it took a lot of listen and a lot of focus to get mm. any meaning and then I eventually got a lot of meaning out of the song but it is kind of a cacophony it's just so much noise and it's so bleak and you really have to give into it to get anything out of it it is not easy listing Steely Dan I would say this is like Walter Becker Steely Dan And I feel it in like my like fourth chakra. Like, yeah. like I can't, I can't, I can't listen to it. I can't really hear it, but I just have to like feel it. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't, whether it's like the memories of it or the song uh, lyrics and the story that it tells, it is fucking bleak. It it's, is. It's scary bleak. Yeah. And it reminds me so much of the Twilight Zone episode where the world ends. So if you don't know the, the content, essentially. Yeah, we got to do better at giving you context. <laughs> You're not lyric geniusing along with us at this point. So we, this is our job to step yeah, yeah, in and yeah, tell yeah. you. This is a post-apocalyptic man who is in the desert. He's by himself. It's better than the show Last Man on Earth, which I tried to suffer through the first season of. Uh, but it was it's about this man who calls out to the world and is, is trying to essentially message in a bottle police something um but i just get very much reminiscent of the twilight zone episode which is one of my favorites where uh the man the world ends and he has no time before the world ends uh, to read his books and then the world ends and he he finds the library and he's about to read a book and enjoy the world and he breaks his glasses oh he can't see without his glasses (laughs) nerd alert It's the end of the world. Why isn't he fucking? Yeah. Find a friendly cactus and get your dick in it. Come on. No one's going to judge you because everyone's dead. You guys should be married on Saturday. <laughs> 48 hours from now, I will be a married woman. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, so it makes it makes you sad. It makes you feel all that, but there, but there's still just such a sense of like sneering "fuck you" irony that even when the world is over, you're going to offer someone poison wine when they come see you. Like yeah. ultimate Steely Danisms, right there. And me being me, I'm like. What do marigolds symbolize? So I went to both flowermeaning.com and also my beautiful friend Amanda Vidmar, who's a florist in San Francisco. What, what? Yeah. And we were talking about, like, what are the meanings of marigolds? And so according to flowermeanings.com, quote, they were offered as a sacrifice to the gods from Christian, Aztec, Buddhist, Hindu, and pagan religions. This little flower has strong ties to the sun and its power to resurrect. And so when you take that in context... There's no marigolds. This is truly the end of the world. We're post-religion. We're post-belief. We're post-hope. There's no more sun. We donezo. Wow. And then furthermore, marigolds are the guide to the other side in Dia de los Muertos. We're beyond good and evil. We're beyond life and death. There is fucking nothing left. It's like the nuclear winter has hit. There's no sun. There's no marigolds. And in Victorian culture, I really just went all in as far as we could go on marigolds. Um, They considered marigolds a symbol of despair and grief. And so while it's depressing that there's nothing left, there's also no more despair and grief. It is just pure survival beyond sentiment at this point. 
It's and, it's Squidward in the nothing world. Yes. <laughs> There's neither good nor bad. If Steely Dan was already trademarked, Squidward in the nothing world would have been just fine. <laughs> That's name. the backup, yes. But yeah, I like the interpreta- interpretation that there are no marigolds in the promised land. It's post-grief. It's post-emotion. The narrator doesn't even express any, any anxiety. It's like, hey, welcome to the nuclear apocalypse. Make yourself comfortable. And now, where is the promised land to you in this? Everywhere? Why is it promised? That's a great question. That I that was a, I was when you first started to set that up. I thought that you were going to dig into the idea of the promised land, and so, we can right. So yeah, because I and then this is a full. Of, we did not do any research on this, but it's like, is the promised land America? Is it the white man's land? <laughs> so I kind of think of the promised land is not heaven. It's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is gone, and. It's interesting, too, if we're talking into the lyrical content, something that always stands out to me is that, like, the whole the line of, I'm going to sing all four of them. Not sing them. I'll say them. Yeah. But I already uh, sang a yeah. good, you know. <laughs> The musical breakdown. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm reading last year's papers, although I don't know why. Assassins, cons, and rapers might as well die. I'm reading last year's papers, although I still wants to have rules also he's yeah. alone like but like we're I don't know if that was that his own reflection on the past because like these people did bad and now he's reading the papers talking about people doing bad and it didn't even matter because we're all gonna die that's how I take it you did it was yeah. a more reflective thing yeah and like twofold response to that how it how I reflect on that in this current moment of oh my God, I'm reading last year's papers and things have only gotten worse and the fucking government is shut down for no reason. Ah. Why do I even bother? I mean, I know why I bother. We all got to go pull our weight. We can't just be liberals whining about it. But why do I even bother to try and keep up with this? I feel so powerless to it all. Right. And in a year, we're going to just be reading all those last year's papers. And thinking about how simple life was. Oh, wow. And (laughs) more to that is this to me, he's one of the few quote unquote good or at least morally neutral Steely Dan narrators. Like, he's not yes. going out there marauding, trying to kill everyone else. He's actually inviting them over to drink his poison wine, which I don't think he poisoned. I think just the radiation yes. poisoned. Yes, And to me, because I love building bridges between Steely Dan songs, the sequel to this is Sign and Stranger off of The Royal Scam. Oh, go on. Tell me why. Um, I'm going to fuck up a lot of the lyrics <laughs> on that. But in my mind, it turns out that he was not the last man on earth. He's not the king of the world, but it is the end of the world. And in Sign and Stranger, the world is only populated with these outlaws and thugs. And it's like Pepe has a scar from ear to ear. I just imagine it as this post-apocalyptic outlaw world, Mad Max shit. And he's found his tribe and he's okay with it. Wow, because you gotta you gotta find your tribe to survive. Exactly, even in the post-apocalyptic, you, you may be two against nature, but find your other one. <laughs> and then when you do, poison wine, cobalt cigarettes, and a podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now, what about the music of this song? Yes. Do you think that there's a story in that as well? Absolutely. Yeah, because like you pointed out in previous Steely Dan podcasts. There, there is nothing out of place or just haphazardly in a Steely Dan song. It is all there for a reason. It is all there to be dissected. Um, what I like about the song is in the beginning, it's almost like surprisingly funky. Like it sort of reminds me of Isaac Hayes' Shaft. Yeah. Like, you love when I sing. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it 
it almost decomposes and breaks down into prog rock Steely Dan. Ooh. Very synthy, not funky, and all the kind of like noodling guitar notes. Like you said, the message in the bottle, to me it sounds like radio signals, mm. just trying to find any kind of contact out there. And everything is just sort of ships crossing in the night, there's no connection being made, except in the breakdown, when suddenly it does all kind of seem to come crashing in on itself, and for a brief moment makes sense how all these disparate lines are connecting with each other. And such like a beautiful Steely Dan moment too, of just like putting in those little Easter eggs of like having that breakdown. Apparently it was supposed to sound like the sirens, like <gasps> a, a nuclear siren or whatever that wow. was very, you know, late sixties, early seventies yeah. America kind of thing. Um, those were supposed to be like a play on that, like this, this, and give you that eerie, creepy feeling like shit has ended. We are alone. Exactly. And, and it makes you feel like you're driving in the desert. Like I, if you've ever driven in the desert where you're just certain that you're going to get alien abducted at any moment. Yeah. That just like, like, I'm not even on earth anymore. I've never seen a landscape like this. Yes. And just like dry, dead, all of it. You feel that in the very beginning of that song, which I can imagine why it was not listenable the first 30 times you tried to listen to it where you're like, I don't want to feel these feelings. No, yeah. thank you. This yeah. doesn't feel good. I want to go back to Kings. I want to go back to good King Richard. Take me home. Yeah. Come on, Haitian divorce. Where are you with your funky beats? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Haitian divorce. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and let's see. Do I go into my literature moonshot? Let's now? do it. I love it. Yes. Because God bless Steely Down, the way you were able to find the Twilight Zone in this, there's two things that I connected to in this. Number one, Don DeLillo, White Noise. It is a novel kind of about everyone's fear of a nuclear attack and their fear of death. And there's just as the title implies, a lot of fucking noise in this novel, like pages and pages and pages that just go on direct quoting infomercials. But kind of the crux of the story is this drug called Dilar that nobody understands its side effects, but what it's supposed to do is get rid of your fear of death. So everyone is living in this death grip of anxiety about this airborne toxic event, but they have discovered Dilar, which will help calm your fear of death. And it's just, you know... The world isn't at an end, but everyone is sitting in their cars trying to leave town, bumper-to-bumper -to -bumper traffic, and only keeping their cool because of this drug that nobody quite understands what it does, as the world is just fucking filled with noise. It's like a darker version of Soma from Brave New World. Because I remember reading Brave New World in ninth grade, and they're spraying Soma, and it keeps society calm. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? Uh, I am on Prozac. So... <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, I I was doubled over in pain throughout the entire thing. Anything post-apocalyptic, you know that movie about where the the moon hits the earth and there's like a giant tidal wave coming. Deep impact. Deep impact. I watched it one time and I watched just the second half and I literally was scarred for life. I yeah. hate a post-apocalyptic anything all the time, and so that's why maybe that's why I, I need this song. Yeah, it's a little I bit of to, exposure therapy. For yes, you. yeah, but it's still so fucking terrifying for me. Like I just I can't kill me two days before the apocalypse with like by choking on like a chocolate covered pretzel like yes. I cannot survive the apocalypse take me out beforehand yeah. yeah and like I am projecting I don't know that this is true but to me this is a Walter Becker song mm -hmm. and it's so strange to me that it takes the apocalypse to bring out any decency in Walter Becker uh and I mean like fun fact Donald Fagan his name's is Donald J Fagan oh. so just the two-thirds rule. Fagin, Fagin for Prez. Fagin for Prez. We couldn't be any worse off. Truly. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> and the corpse of Walter Becker for VP, yeah. as we are currently dealing with the corpse of Mike Pence, who has a hard-on for nothing. Weekend at Bernie's 2, the White House, baby, this time with Walter Becker, then, and he's waving to the people, and he's kissing babies, and uh-oh, that... <laughs> I I do want to share as well just a final thought I know we've gone deep in this one but I promise you we have less for the royal scam which yeah. is the next one but I did listen to this on the 8th grade trip in my middle school which is my formative Steely Dan years where I had uh, all of like I had the Steely Dan songs on my little CD like I burned some I had my Walkman and I listened to King of the World so many times and it I remember having this dream where the bus fell off of the bridge in New York and Ooh. it was right after 9-11 every tensions were high I was in New York for the first just time that, just that image like yeah. stops me in my tracks yeah and so I fell asleep to uh you know countdown to ecstasy listening to the steely dan and even just the the name of the album countdown to ecstasy my god <laughs> and let's imagine hairy awkward frumpy body cat brown in the eighth grade listen like everyone had sublime I had steely dan <laughs> dreaming of the bus of all of us dying and just feeling so alive <laughs> at the same time uh and then the other cd i had was the offspring which was the the two songs oh my god yeah. uh, americana oh absolutely dude yes. the- we're gonna get a little deep a little <laughs> uncomfortable yeah the year my dad was dying all i listened to was americana really yeah that's such an album for me too oh my god well 10 year old amy gotta have an outlet somehow uh, and whether it be dying on a bus or watching your father die i mean those are some formative fucking moments in your life and steely dan and the offspring <laughs> they were there for us so thank you So last and not least. But also a little bit least. A little bit the least. Yes. Uh, (laughs) The third of the Danarchy, the royal scam, which I feel like is just disappointing because it should be a better song. And I just don't love it very much. I I don't either. And this podcast and my feminism have given me the courage to now admit when I don't like a Steely Dan song this song is actually unlistenable. Yeah, it's just, it it makes me uncomfortable. And like the fact that like Donald Fagan is like telling the story of like Puerto Rican refugees in America. I had the same note. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, you went to fucking Bard College. This is not your story to tell. Yeah, and like how dare you make this the slowest song ever. Like a funeral dirge. Yeah, there's there's no build. There's no excitement. It's appropriation. You can't sing it. Yeah, and like it's it's ironic to me that Steely Dan gets tied up in the bow of Yacht Rock because this to me is Steel Ship. Wow. I do not care for this song. That is amazing. I, I, because I am from San Diego and Amy is from the Bay Area, I, we have different dreams of boats. This is, this is really neither here nor there, but there is something. Oh, but it is here. Okay. There, there is something about, um, when you are standing in San Diego and you're maybe like downtown, like where the like military boats are parked and it's, and it's. Parked, they're not they're, guard. They're, par- they're, they're parked. They're docked. They're docked. They're, they're anchored. They're parked and docked. They're docked and anchored. Whatever they are. They're there. They're parallel docking. It's fine. <laughs> um, and the, you can hear the the naval wake up if you're there early enough you can hear the like taps and then you can hear 
got this America? Do you hear the Star Spangled Banner? I don't know, Kat, do you? You're the one who lives here. I don't know. Again, neither here nor there, but to me this feels like it's that. It's a tinny, shitty-ass American novel on a speaker three liters away. Liters? Leagues. She's three liters away. I'm a leader of my own. (laughs) And also, like, I just want to say there are some great American rock songs about boats, the king of which is The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Don't you laugh at me. My my parents' first date was at a Gordon Lightfoot concert at the Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California in like 1977, and here I am. I'm not going to hate you for it, but I do think America's best boat song is The Sailors Say Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Oh, fuck, that yeah. Is, but which is also a Gordon Lightfoot song, isn't it? No. no? Uh, Producer Jenna, is it a Gordon Lightfoot song? <laughs> we'll come back to you on yeah. that. Um, <laughs> we're just like talking about anything but this song, but we're going to keep going. We hate this song. <laughs> when I was in um, ninth grade, my English class, the teacher, Mrs. Oakham Winters, one of the most wonderful teachers I ever had, was trying to get us to understand the idea of a five-act story and like rising and falling action. And so she assigned us to work in groups to analyze a song and break it down by its plot points. She being a beautiful baby boomer of that generation. Who is it? Looking glass. Oh, looking glass, light foot. It's, looking glass. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Mrs. Oakham Winters played us the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald because it does tell a whole story and then some. And so it's to break into pairs. Every other group in the class analyzes Skater Boy by Avril Lavigne because this is 2002. <laughs> Naturally. I choose to work alone and analyze the entirety of Weezer's Pink. <laughs> Which requires a lot of outside knowledge of Rivers Cuomo's neuroses, and none of it is pulled from the song. So you're the 10% that found that SNL sketch very funny <laughs> about Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> I did, I'm sorry, 100% of the internet found it funny. <laughs> but the internet is only 10% of people. That's right? true. Um, I guess other songs about, well, not songs about boats, but <laughs> there was this strain of 70s rock song about just how tough New York was, mm-hmm. and this... Because kind of. New York was fucking scary in the 70s. Yeah, I you, read Live from New York. Yeah, I, yeah. It was not a happy place. That's, yeah, like whenever I'm feeling sad and alone and really need to dig into that feeling and feel worse than I actually do, I totally listen to The Boxer. That is my like, shivering and alone and I just had to pay for sex and I'm bleeding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just think about if you can make it here... You can make it in Mesopotamia. New York is scary. I don't know. New York is terrifying (laughs) in the 70s. And like one song I really love that kind of honors that is Jim Croce's New York's Mm. Not My Home. Yes. Because he's like a mature woman who looks at his situation and said, this isn't working for me and I don't have to keep making the same mistake because of the sunk cost fallacy. New York's Not My Home. I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Which we've been on this tangent a lot this week about just, like, women expressing their needs and just, like, just being like, fuck it. I just can't do it. I'm not there for it. Yeah, I cannot wait three hours for a brunch. I need to be fed right now. And that's the best. So I've bestowed upon Jim Croce the highest honor of being a woman. Yes. Who can speak her piece. Yes.
I really love the album, The Royal Stand. Yeah. It is my favorite Steely Dan album. And naturally, Theo Katzman's ex-girlfriend has the record. You know it. What's the story? The song from the Theo Katzman? It's my one bedroom, and he's saying how he can come over with his copy of The Royal Scam. They can get down to the Steely Dan in his one bedroom. Why are you rolling your eyes? Because if you're going to come over, if I'm going to come over or you're coming over, you bring Countdown to Ecstasy or you play Spotify's This is Steely Dan or you play Steely Dan Radio. You do not play the Royal Scale. Alexa, get this motherfucker out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, Steely, or the Royal Scale is my favorite album. Overall, you, but just... Of Steely Dan? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, and it might be power of suggestion from a very tender time in my life when Theo Katzman whispered it in my ear Fair. on Spotify. Yes. But <laughs> I, I find the most to say about it, and this is where I'm going with it, is Puerto Rico, who is the star of this song, physical props to, proximity to Haiti is only separated by one nation, the D- Dominican Republic. Haitian Divorce, which is one of the best songs in the world, is separated from the Royal Scam, which is one of the worst songs by one song too and that song is everything you did also not a great song this this album ends on a fart yeah it's true you know what the, the first seven and now looking upon the playlist the first seven are a great build you have some amazing ones the fez oh the green fez. earrings and of course the case of altamir which we'll have to get on Ooh. when we do like childhood dream songs like and horns that make you horny yeah oh oh truly okay D- albert herb albert and the tijuana brass bands <laughs> those are the horns that make me horny never <laughs> on sundays <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah two bad songs just leave it a seven track album get rid of these last two songs yeah and certainly don't name the fucking album the royal scam why the royal scam is a great name for the album the royal scam is that you bought this album not to hear these last two songs you <laughs> uh, <laughs> trade it in for some extra asia <laughs> I was going to say... Asia, Asia, read all about it. (laughs) I was thinking IBM credit music. No, what is it where you get the CD a month? That's the Royal Scam. Oh, um, Columbia... Columbia Record credit. Are we showing our age? I think we are. (laughs) We're two women talking about Steely Dan. Are we in our 30s or in our 70s? Are you not turned on right now? Are these horns that make you horny? (laughs) Add us in the comments. (laughs) Well, that's the Danarchy. Again, we got no songs of queens. We got no songs of princesses. There was nothing of the female brand, really, at all. No. Uh, we just got man-on-man violence. We got royalty. We got the we, we got, got the apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah, we got big old nuclear bombs taking us home. You know what? It's a rainy day in San Diego, and the government shut down. It feels appropriate. Completely. And I'm getting married. Yeah. So. <laughs> It is the end of the world. The biggest nuclear bomb in the world. I don't know what is. But it is a G-darn pleasure (laughs) to sit next to my best friend, Amy Goodman, and dig into some deep-ass Steely Dan shit. And hopefully you've enjoyed our third episode. We did it. We did it again and again. And God damn it, we'll do it again. Yes. So uh, we'll talk to you soon. And in the meantime, don't listen to the last two songs on the Royal Scam. Or any Steely Dan album. I'm Amy Goodman. (laughs) I'm Kat Brown. Goodbye. Sure.